0: So I call this passion plus intent. So you're passionate about making cakes, for example, and then the intent is what people actually search for. That's
1: the voice of Jeremy
0: Vest, Director of Marketing at
1: VidIQ. Now, if you haven't heard of VidIQ before, their tagline is more views, less time. So if you're using YouTube to grow your audience or grow your business, then you have to listen to this episode. Welcome to episode 92 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. hey welcome back to the podcast this is episode 92 which means we're getting closer to episode 100 now as i mentioned last week i can't wait to get some of you guys who listen to this show on to the show for episode 100. So if you're interested in joining me for just a brief chat to get to know you better and and to actually be featured on this show in episode 100, reach out to me, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and we'll hook that up. I can't wait to connect with some of you guys. Let's do that. Okay, so tell me, do you wanna discover what makes a video go viral? and optimise your videos on YouTube to get more views, grow your channel, grow your reach and influence, and actually do better on YouTube? If so, you're in the right place. Because in today's episode, I'm joined by Jeremy Vest, Director of Marketing at VidIQ. Now, Jeremy has created video marketing strategy for several Fortune 100 companies and famous YouTubers. He's well known as a video marketing strategist for brands and he coaches several of the video marketers that you see and hear from all around the world. So he's really a bit of a video guru in this space and I'm really excited to have him on the show today. His customers have over 2 billion organic video views and over 10 million subscribers and then some. He's YouTube certified and he speaks himself at VidCon, Social Media Marketing World, Vid Summit. He writes for Social Media Examiner and he puts on the Video Marketing World Conference over in Texas. So really Jeremy's mission is to teach video marketing strategy so people can make their best impact with their channels, influence more people and therefore grow their business. So in today's episode, we're going to explore a bit more about what are the key factors for growth and engagement on YouTube and specifically how the vidIQ platform actually helps support video creators and helping them understand and manage these factors it's a really powerful platform i'm a proud user of vidiq myself and we use it uh, for all of our strategies that we manage on behalf of our clients youtube channels and it makes things just super easy for me and my team so if you're not using vidiq yet then i strongly encourage you to check it out you can learn more about vidiq at engagevideomarketing.com slash vidIQ. Now that is my affiliate link for that platform. So if you do decide to actually uh, get on board with what vidIQ have to offer, At no cost to you, I will get a small commission. And that's just a great way of supporting me and supporting the show. So I appreciate you if you do use that affiliate link. So let's get into the chat today without mucking around too much more, because Jeremy has a lot to share. And I know you're going to want to take notes, particularly if you're working to grow your own YouTube channel or that of your clients. So let's go. Jeremy Vest, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having
1: me on. Yeah, it's really cool to have you on. Um, As I mentioned in the introduction there, I am a user of of, uh, VidIQ, which we are going to talk about today as well. But before we get get into the nitty gritty of today's show, I'd love to learn a bit more about you, your background and your, your story that led you to where you are today with VidIQ.
0: Yeah, so I've been doing video marketing and YouTube for 11 or 12 years now. It's been a long time. Um, I started out as a director of marketing for a college and then a software company. And then that led to me really wanting to teach people how to do digital photography and Photoshop and web design. And I actually created a company kind of like lynda.com back in the day in 2007. And that actually led us to developing Adobe for about a decade had Adobe television and we created the first uh, 30 hours of training for Adobe TV. And that led me to go, you know what, this is where I'm called to do. I want to be able to touch more people and video is the way we're going to be able to educate more people. So from there, I really have in the last decade uh, from having my own agency for five years to uh, working with big brands and uh, big agencies out of New York, I've really just been all in on YouTube, dedicated really for the last decade or so. And um, for the last year, I've I've came to vidIQ because we have millions of users and I felt like that would be the place I could could reach the most people.
1: Yeah, cool. So, I mean, you would have seen a lot change over the time that you've been in the world of YouTube and online video as well. What's the significant, like if you were to sum up the key change that you've seen in the whole time that you've been in the world of online video and YouTube, what's the biggest shift?
0: I would say the biggest fundamental shift is quality. And what I mean by that is not cameras, not audio, not lights. I'm talking about the quality of people being able to entertain others and storytell. So if you look at the videos from 10 years ago, it's pretty much just dumb cat videos and stuff like that. And now it's pretty sophisticated, you know, Shane Dawson style storytelling with a suspense, a start, middle and end, a hook. Um, And and really it's starting to look like the remnants of like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon prime, in my opinion, these stories uh, that vloggers and gamers and, and, how two people are telling are in really intriguing and entertaining, and you want to watch more, so I would say just better storytelling, and people are watching content longer to for the successful creators anyways yeah, and I
1: think it's that that quality that uplifting quality that has been a necessity because as the amount of content has you know, gone through the roof, it's yeah. co- it's quality of storytelling, quality of messaging, and somewhat quality of, of production as well that stands a creator or a channel, um, you know, above the rest. And, you know, just leading on from that, I guess, you know, when it comes to standing out on YouTube in specifically, which is an area I know you, you have some expertise in, it's the same sort of thing, right? The, uh, the number of YouTube channels and the number of watch minutes on YouTube has gone, is skyrocketed, skyrocketed over the last number of years. So it's hard potentially to cut through, right? So, so what do you say to that and, and how do you guide people to, to cut through?
0: So back when I was a kid, I'm 42 years old, uh, here in America, people used to always say, don't go to college to become an underwater basket weaver. And basically that just meant don't do something obscure and weird. My challenge to you all now is to actually hyper-focus and niche down to a point to where you are the underwater basket weaver with almost 500 hours uploaded to YouTube every minute. And... 2 billion users of YouTube you're going to be able to find an audience that loves and enjoys what you do and has your similar thoughts, you know, your similar belief systems. So the biggest thing I think you can do is to identify who you are and what your channel is about. And I call this going 2 inches wide and a mile deep. Really focus in on a specific genre of topic and make hundreds of videos for that specific type of person. That's how you break out because instead of having two videos on how to bake a cake, you have 200 and you become the perceived thought leader on princess cakes or or whatever you want to become the perceived thought leader of. But one-off videos, uh, unless you have a large channel, it's really just not going to get you anywhere.
1: Yeah. And there's a a term that is is pretty important in the world of YouTube and really online in general, which is that idea of community, right? So, um, and that's what it's all about is, is about creating content for your community. And there, there is countless potential communities on YouTube. And I, I believe there's probably countless communities that still aren't being served on YouTube. Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's also a million types of people. So let's say there are baking channels, there may not be baking channels specifically to South Asian food, or, you know, in your language, or from someone over 65 years old, or for someone under 15 years old. I mean, there's always a type of person that you can connect with better than someone else. I uh, have been playing around with the personal channel for about five, six, seven weeks now. I'm old, but I skateboard every day. And I have found an unbelievably big Audience of old P, old dude skateboarding, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, so there's, there's something for everyone. So I would say, even in, in really competitive terms like Fortnite gaming, there's a way to break through, but you have to connect to someone on a much deeper level, a personal level, um, and you have to be kind of that person that they can relate to or look up to.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And if we were to bring this conversation now into the world of, of YouTube for business. So, you know, I I mean, maybe your plans is to build a business around being the old YouTube, uh, the old skateboarder guy on YouTube. But uh, you know, I think if there is someone out there who is, is thinking about starting a YouTube channel for the purpose of growing their business, you know, is it too late? Is it too noisy? Is it not worth it?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. So, I started doing skateboard videos about 7 weeks ago. I have 20 brand new skateboards in my office. Um, seven different skateboard manufacturers sent me skateboards just because they saw my videos. Okay. So, uh you know, and I'm I'm kind of equating this to you can do any type of business. You could even do a funeral business on YouTube if you do it the right way. So, Could I grow to a million subscribers and have my own skateboard brand one day or, or clothing company like old man skateboard clothing? Absolutely. I really could. Like, honestly, I absolutely could. I think the biggest challenge that businesses have is their heart is typically not usually in it for the viewers. They're in it for sales. And think about you hate watching commercials. Why would I go actively on YouTube, seek out someone trying to sell to me? So uh, what, honestly, DNA is what brands and companies are missing on YouTube. They don't have a person. I speak a lot about the, the, how important nonverbal communication is in the whites of someone's eyes so they can socially, uh, connect to someone, a personality is everything on YouTube. And a brand typically doesn't have a personality. So it's really, really difficult for a brand to buy off on this philosophy of creating content for the purpose of entertainment or education, and allowing your, your employees to become the face of the company and to become actually um p- more popular than the CEO. Uh it is pretty interesting with VidIQ I've, I've been here about a year we've grown the channel from 100,000 subscribers to 333,000 subscribers in one year and Rob Wilson the face of the VidIQ channel is actually better more well known than the owner of the company the the main owner uh, that we have several owners and and it's you know what To uh, the owner, the main owner's credit, he is very happy that we're getting our name out there. And our sales have done really, really well. But how many companies do you know would actually allow someone that's not the CEO to be the face? So that's the real challenge and question that I have to all businesses getting into LinkedIn video, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. Are you willing to let, uh, the non-owner or CEO of the company be the face and the personality.
1: So how do you make that decision then between whether it should be the CEO or the owner of the company or an employee, someone within the team, particularly with that potential pushback of, you know, well, what if this person builds the brand for me behind their face and then they leave and potentially even go work for our competition? Like, you know, how do you balance that decision?
0: And, and that, will happen. Right. So I have a, I know two friends, one had this big company and the other one was the face. And now the other one happens to be one of the biggest YouTubers in the world. (laughs) And he has his own company bigger than the company he was working for. So that definitely happens. And my personal suggestion to that is be okay with it, but also build it into your business plan. Say, okay, this person's really good on camera. He's going to be bigger than our company one day, but we're going to leverage him and he's going to leverage our platform and we're going to leverage his personality. Buzzfeed's done a really good job to where you don't ever know anyone's names or personalities on Buzzfeed. It's just all random kind of 20 year old type people of all races and genders. And it doesn't really matter who they are. They're just like Buzzfeed people. So I think there's a way To build personality and to build authority uh, without being a single person. Studio C has done it uh, as well. They've done a really good job. Uh, They're a sketch comedy channel, but you really don't know anyone's names. Uh, You just know they're all funny. So I think there's a way to establish that, but I think it's pretty simple. Is the CEO or the owner, the main person, does he have time? Do they have time to do this? And are they like warm and good on camera. yeah. And if they don't have time or if they're just simply not real personality driven, great on camera people, don't let it happen, <laughs> you know, yeah. because honestly, it's not going to work very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, what would you say to people who are still pushing back in that business sense of, you know, well, what's the point of getting views on YouTube if I can't drive sales directly from those views? You know, if I build a channel of thousands of subscribers, you know, how's that going to directly link to the bottom line?
0: Yeah, so in our case, uh, we are a YouTube analytics company, essentially, we help people uh, with their YouTube journey. And we actually in, in Google Analytics, we know exactly how many people have come from YouTube. We then also know how many of those people that have come from YouTube actually ended up purchasing using remarketing code. So we actually can put a figure to how much money our YouTube channel is generating. I think the hardest thing with a business intelligence is just really understanding what's really driving sales. And with YouTube, what typically happens is people will find out about the business through Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or LinkedIn, but then a lot of businesses aren't really uh, intelligent as far as last click attribution. So what happens is some other source is credited to, to have the sell, even though they came, they originated from, let's say, a YouTube video. So the better you can be intelligent about attribution and last click attribution, um, and the better you can understand where YouTube and video in general fits into that funnel, the more educated and the more you'll understand how much YouTube and video are really driving sales. So I would say 90% of the businesses I've worked with just don't get it. They don't understand last click attribution and they don't understand that actually people came in from video and purchased from an email or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, for listeners who maybe aren't Really, and still aren't particularly clear on what that means around attribution, and you know there is obviously you know different models of attribution and multi-touch attribution, first touch attribution. Can you explain that for the listener who maybe has not even heard of that before?
0: Yeah, it's it's really simple. So in analytics programs, essentially, most of them will tell you this is how someone this is where the source of traffic that where someone purchased, and typically it's pretty non-intelligent. So it'll say people clicked on this email and purchased. But what really probably happened is people searched something, they went to your YouTube video, then they stumbled on your website and then they two days later can went back to your website directly, just typed it in and then they started a free trial and then they got an email and then, so it could literally be 20 to 30 uh, layers deep of how people got to a point of purchasing your software. And attribution is really just a, a big fancy word for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, and obviously for businesses, just however they can work out ways to track that using clever software analytics platforms, like working at what you need to measure and working out ways to measure that to to figure out that attribution for your for your business is important. I think that probably leads into the next question which I understand is a loaded question for you coming from VidIQ as a YouTube analytics based platform. You know how important is the data or the analytics in growing a successful YouTube channel and engagement on YouTube as opposed to just gut feel and knowing your audience.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We have probably two or three channels a week over a million subscribers that that use our software. And it's really a mixed bag. I think you have like two types of successful channels. You have the people that are just smart and have been working at it. And then you have people that are just super good on camera and put, turn that camera on two or three times a week. There are like kind of two camps the first camp is they're just great on camera and they just turn it on a lot and post stuff. And then, you know, five, 10 years later, they have a million subscribers and they're doing really well. And then you have the real thoughtful, almost engineered styled, you know, uh, I, uh, Clay is a good friend of mine. He's like 7 million subscribers and he is that nerd. he, Clicks every single button, makes, you know, does thumbnail strategy and just really, really, really knows the algorithm as good as anyone I've ever met. And so he's like the nerd data scientist and really squeezed every view he can get. But there is a huge camp of people that it's like, hey, let's make videos people care about, let's answer comments, and that's it. Like they don't know anything. So I would say from a vidIQ perspective, what we do best is we have this tool called the channel audit tool. And we essentially, this channel audit tool shows people how you're doing month over month, what's working, what's not working and what's broken. Like, Are there videos without thumbnails or are your titles and tags and descriptions too short or long? Are you missing cards or annotations? Are your videos in a playlist? So this tool is really, really powerful because our philosophy is if something's working, double down and do more videos like that video. If it's not working, stop doing that type of series of video. And this tool is really powerful because just in a snapshot, you can say, how am I doing? go do more of this, stop doing this type of video, and what's broken, what do I need to fix?
1: Yeah, so let's add on to that and talk specifically about vidIQ further. You know, I think anyone who's explored YouTube platform properly, they understand there are there is a lot of data available, right? YouTube analytics gives you a lot of data, and it is, particularly with the latest update to analytics, is, you know, sorted really quite friendly for the user. However, it is yeah. still overwhelming, right? Um, well, how does vidIQ supplement that or, uh, it, you know, make that experience better for a user?
0: Yeah, I would say that there's really two things we do that makes the experience easier. The first is we have a keyword research tool that really allows people, so I call this passion plus intent. So you're passionate about making cakes, for example, and then the intent is what people actually search for. So how to make a double chocolate strawberry cake or whatever people are searching for. So what vidIQ does is we surface the intent of search of what people are searching for so that you can put that in your tags, titles and descriptions and playlists easily. So we're like, here's the keyword universe of what people are searching for, for your type of video. And then you select based on all the research. Like honestly, back four or five years ago, it would take me two or three hours to do SEO research for titles and tags and descriptions. And with a tool like vidIQ, I literally can, can narrow that down to like 10 minutes.
1: And you're doing it right within the YouTube platform in many cases as well. Whereas opposed you were using, you know, third party tools and going off the platform, which is from my perspective, one of the hero features of vidIQ is the Chrome plugin. Uh, it is right. just with, just with Chrome, right? Is, is that, have I got that right? Yeah,
0: right, right now we yeah. are about to launch a mobile app and we're also going to be supporting other browsers but right now we're just a chrome extension
1: cool so tell me about the you know one of the other key things that i love about vidiq is just the what they call a vidiq score so it's uh it's a vidiq measurement uh, which mm-hmm. can you tell just tell our, our listeners about what that is and and at a glance how that's beneficial when you are working with your videos on youtube
0: yeah so we basically have a pretty sophisticated scoring mechanism to say this video is a 72 out of hundred. And essentially it looks at a lot of stuff. It looks at mostly stuff you can control. Like we call this the triple keywords, like is the main keywords in your tags, titles, and descriptions, and maybe even playlists. And then also things you can't really control like are you actually ranking well for competitive terms? So it's, a, it's really like a 50-50 score. 50% of it is things you control, control like do you have your keywords and your textiles and descriptions and playlists? And the second part is, are you actually ranking in the top five for those terms? So if you're ranking number one in the world for how to make a cake and how to make a cake in your textiles and descriptions, then you'll be at 100 of, you know, SEO score.
1: Yeah. How rare is it to get to 100?
0: It's rare. You yeah. <laughs> don't see it very often. You know, it's funny. Some people get mad. They're like, I have 100,000 views and I only have like a 52 score. I'm like, well, you have a lot of competition. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it is based on science, but hey, if there's 1,000 videos with 100,000 views in your category, then you have a 52.
1: Yeah, cool. So let's paint a use picture of VidIQ. For let's uh, imagine a channel that's been established for a little while. They've got uh, you know a couple hundred videos on their channel, perhaps, uh, and you know relatively good engagement, but certainly the the creator feels they could do better. Um, they haven't been using a tool like VidIQ uh, up to this point. So let's imagine they get the tool, they plug in the Chrome extension, open up their YouTube channel, without creating any new content. What can they do and and how are they empowered with the tool to actually improve what they've already got?
0: So, yeah, that's a good question. And I will say that I'm a firm believer at this point in 2019 to move forward and not backwards in optimization. So what I would do for big brands like HP Computers is back like three, four years ago, I would actually re-optimize like uh, tags and titles and, you know, thumbnails, But now, honestly, with velocity views per hour, all this other technical stuff, it's really most important to move forward with new content with better data. Yeah. So I would actually kind of argue that you could learn a lot, but until you make new data or excuse me, new content, I don't think you're going to be super effective using any platform, any tool, not just ours, but what, what. VidIQ does a very good job at; is it tells you how you're doing, what you should be doing more of, what you should be doing less of, and exactly what keywords to use in your tag styles and descriptions. So, you know, having said that, that's pretty huge, right? So, I'm using VidIQ. I now know what I need, what I need to make videos on. I need to know my keyword universe so that I can make more videos in that series, and based on analytics. I know what in my content YouTube favors the most and what I should double down and keep on doing.
1: Yeah, cool. I'm glad you switched that question into where you wanted it to go. Because I think that was, that's a really good takeaway for people as well is is moving forward, not backwards. That's cool.
0: So yeah, I used to do a lot of optimization for old channels and it used to work, but it really doesn't anymore yeah well, I mean, let's expand on that a
1: little bit, because for channels that uh, you know are looking to to engage and grow with content moving forward, is there is there a sweet spot of of new new content to be releasing to really get that that velocity that you talk about?
0: So it, it's relative to your competition, but I would say at minimum, you really in two thousand and nineteen, you need to be making one video a week. You really do. One of the biggest channels, actually, they're three miles from my house. They're called Dude Perfect. And they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 million subscribers. They only put out a few videos a month. So you can, with quality versus quantity, you can do very well with a few videos. But if, for example, the number one site in your channel is putting out five videos a week and you're putting out one, the reality of you catching up with them is, is limited. You know, it's not normal. So I would say understand the industry and what the cadence of content getting out from the top channels is. I would say that you have to put out one video a week if you really want to become a player. And I would really understand Using, for example, something like the VidIQ um channel audit tool of what's the most effective videos you can do to affect sales or engagement or views or subscribers. And uh, that tool actually shows you all of those metrics. So if my goal was views, then I could do that type of video. But as subscribers, I could go make more of that type of video that's driving the most subscribers. So I would say that just really understand how your content's doing and start with one if you can do more than one do more than one <laughs> but i don't ever like to tell any customers like start with three videos a week i'd rather say understand how to do one and do one very well and then staff up to be able to do two yeah and what would you say
1: as far as content planning for the channel um do you do you believe that you should be mixing up the types of content or should there be consistency as far as like, you know, the types of videos, is it, you know, educational talking head kind of videos or are they storytelling or, you know, are they vlog style, follow me around as I do something. When you, when you land on something that works for your channel, should you stick to that or do you feel that there's room to mix it up?
0: It's really relative to your industry, but I'll say like in general, you should probably have three to four different types of content on your business channel. The first for most businesses will be informational, how to type content. Um, On vidIQ, we have a series on Fridays that are are very simple, like how to delete a YouTube video. And we were looking yesterday, and that content is getting like 50,000 views, like for that whole series of content, it's getting like 50,000 views a week. Or something crazy. It's, it's a very high number. And it's because people are searching for how do I delete a YouTube video? How do I delete a YouTube channel? You know, so they're just searching for those very how to style content. Now, yeah. if we would have stopped there and only did that, our channel would be a 10th of the size that it is today. So another thing we do is we chase trends. For example, we got about four or 5 million views on PewDiePie versus T-Series, but because we're an analytics company, we did the PewDiePie versus T-Series videos from an analytical perspective. You know, how did PewDiePie, how did T-Series beat PewDiePie? Things like that. So we chase trends. We, teach how to and the third type of content that's extremely important and i call this personally i call this watch time bombs but we go live for our audience now one thing a lot of people get confused about going live every single time we go live we lose subscribers okay and the reason for that is you know almost all of your subscribers get notified that you go live but let's say you have 100,000 subscribers and you lose 100 subscribers. But what if 300 people were watching you and asking questions? Those 300 people that come back every week become super fans and very loyal and paid customers. So on one hand, you know, if you worry too much about vanity metrics, things like subscriber count, you may like not see the forest through the trees. So we now have three live streams a week. Right now we're testing, we have a Q&A session, we have channel audits, and we have a new user webinar. So we actually are getting hundreds of thousands of minutes watched every month from these live streams. What's beautiful about a live stream is you don't have to prepare for it. You just go live and stuff happens and you're done. You don't have to upload the video or edit the video just very simple. So I would say to kind of recap this, go live to service your audience. I would answer the questions that people are asking. And I would chase trends around your type of business. I wouldn't chase trends about Katy Perry if you didn't do have anything to do with Katy Perry. Yeah. But if you could correlate to what you do with a trend, And that's really important. I I like a philosophy of 80% of the time you're just laying a brick. So a brick is just a piece of video content. You're just laying bricks in a wall. But then 20, 10 to 20% of the time, you're actually trying to go viral. You're trying to make things that break the mold. You're chasing all the wrong rules. You're just breaking out of the mold. So 10, 15, 20% of the time go crazy. 80% of the time, just make those simple bricks that are going to get a couple thousand views each. That's going to build your fortress of a good quality YouTube channel that's going to get more leads, get more visibility, and ultimately sells.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. And you make a good case around the, the value of using YouTube Live, particularly for that rapid content creation. You know, you're taking the production the post-production element out of that, um, which potentially makes it easier for people to be more consistent with valuable content on their channel. So if someone was keen on that idea and, you know, what would you say about the idea of just only going live on your channel, only using YouTube live, or should there be a mixture of produced content and live content?
0: So, there are all kinds of unique live channels. For example, I know of a channel that has millions of views that has like 20 different um, live feeds, 24 hour a day, seven day a week live feeds of beaches and natural habitats and lions and zebras. And they do very well. People just like kind of watch for two or three hours. They'll watch zebras crossing a field and, you know, in Africa somewhere. So there's all kinds of ways to go live. Gamers, a lot of gamers are live only gamers on Twitch and on YouTube. And uh, it's really relative to how your audience consumes content. If they want to ask you questions and you want to be more interactive, then uh, all live strategy might be intelligent. However, I would say that with, I call this evergreen, I don't, everyone calls this evergreen content. If you want how to delete a YouTube video and you want to rank number one in the world for that today and five years from now, then that live content generally does not do well in search and, and discoverability on youtube so i would actually create content that's going to live for a long time on youtube non-live content and then i would have a live strategy i think like anything in life you need to pepper three or four different types of things into your video marketing strategy whether that's linkedin linkedin live now in, in america um or YouTube or Instagram live. I think it's all the same. I think that you just need to serve as you need to understand what your audience wants and you need to make three or four types of content on a regular basis that caters to those specific types of people.
1: Really good advice. And I think harking back to what you said before around, you know, thinking about your audience first, understand what they want and, you know, don't just push out what you want, but respect and understand what they want to hear from you. Awesome. So, just to to kind of, I guess, wrap things up here now, I, I want to explore with you just for the next couple of minutes about where you think YouTube's going next. You know, there's been a, a lot that's happened in the last fifteen years, fifteen years nearly of yeah. YouTube, um, and obviously it changes all the time. And then you know, uh, it, the, the platform changes, and the way people are using the platform is changing. But where do you see it going over the next five years on YouTube alone?
0: I think. That There is a lot of growing pains, especially in America, uh, with advertisers and predators and people exploiting other people on the platform. Um, I think that creators and YouTube are at more odds with each other than they've ever been. And what creators need to understand is the only reason you're invited on this platform is because you help YouTube and Google make money with ads. Yeah. Like cut everything else out of your philosophy. You are a privilege and allowed to be on this platform because they can make money from you and from advertisers. So first off, and this is not a popular statement here in America, you have nothing to do really with YouTube. Secondly, um, it is YouTube's job to sell ads. So they're going to have to fix this. They're going to have to be able to control comments and add, advertise, having an advertising friendly environment. And as creators, we're just going to have to Stand by and see how, what they can do to fix this. We, no one wants ISIS beheading videos on YouTube, right? So there are all kinds of fundamental problems with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat and TikTok that the world is going to have to figure out. And as creators, we will be the ones that suffer from it, both from financially and otherwise. But... What I like to tell creators is a lot of people think of me as a YouTube expert. I actually do personally do way more views on LinkedIn. Like I love LinkedIn video. So what I would recommend is you use all of these social media platforms. Like an artist would use like a pencil or a paintbrush or ink or chalk, right? And all of that should lead back to your website or your blog, and it should just be a tool set. So in my opinion, YouTube is nothing more than a tool set of distribution to my messages. I personally believe businesses should try to entertain or help first to bring people into the world, but to spend just as much time on LinkedIn or or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook as you do other platforms. Because if I have, I had a a client last year with 2 million subscribers did not have a, a a website when YouTube uh, terminated their channel, they went from making, $60,000 Sixty dollars or $70,000 a month to $0 a month because they didn't actually plan a business. They just had a YouTube channel. YouTube is a privilege. It's not a guarantee. So I would say that all brands and businesses should diversify their video marketing strategies and never pick one platform ever.
1: Yeah. Don't build your home on rented land, I think is uh, the quote that yeah. I've heard before. And you right. know, I think the focus there is, and the importance of that message is that when you are, you know, looking at building a business on your own platform, your own channel, and using these other tools to, to reach more people, you just go where the attention is, right? Like you say, LinkedIn yep. is where the intention is for you right now. And, you know, then it doesn't concern you what platforms are doing really you just go where the attention is
0: absolutely yeah and yeah I get five or ten times more views on LinkedIn
1: cool awesome yeah I agree LinkedIn's an exciting place and I can't wait to see LinkedIn live roll out properly um, yeah. have you are you using LinkedIn live yet
0: um I'm not personally but a lot of my friends and and uh, people I know I've 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 played with it it's fun it's really neat
1: yeah. At the time of this recording, it's still an early beta. So, you know, not everyone's got access to it, but right. we'll see that roll out throughout the course of this year, I'm sure. So excited to see where that goes. So Jeremy, just to, to close here, can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and, and everything that you've got going on? And of course, vidIQ.
0: Yeah, you can go VidIQ anywhere on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, my personal YouTube channel is Jeremy Vest. Just type in Jeremy Vest, and uh, yeah, if you go to LinkedIn or me, you can reach me.
1: Yep, cool. Easy as that, guys. We'll have all the show all the links in the show notes for this episode at EngageVideoMarketing dot com slash episode ninety two. Jeremy Vest, thanks for joining me and for sharing your wisdom on the show today.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: What a cracking episode. Jeremy shared so much value there, and I know I'm going to have to listen back to this episode myself again. So I hope you found value from that too. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Use Twitter or Instagram. Reach out to me at engage underscore Ben. And particularly as jeremy mentioned there i'm really enjoying the engagement i'm getting over on linkedin right now as well so if we're not connected on linkedin let's do that look me up and let me know that you're a listener of the podcast and uh and let's connect on there too so that's where i'm going to leave you for this episode but just a last little shout out to VidIQ. Now, as I mentioned, we are big fans within my agency of the VidIQ platform and particularly the Chrome extension that goes with it. It makes managing YouTube channels and optimizing YouTube content so simple and easy to do and to do it right without really putting too much thought and focus on the the technical aspects of what it is that you're trying to do. So I strongly encourage you if you are using YouTube in any way to take a look at vidIQ. My affiliate link for the platform is engagevideomarketing.com slash vidIQ. And if you use that link to uh, to join the platform, as I mentioned, I will receive a small commission for anything that you spend on that platform at no extra cost to you. So I thank you for supporting me and supporting the show by using that affiliate link. And just finally, before I leave you today, I'm still looking for a couple more guests to join me on episode 100 uh, as I interview some of you, the listeners to this podcast, to celebrate 100 episodes. So if you can reach out to me just in the next couple of days after this episode goes live, Uh, we can hook that up, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and let's make that happen. So until next week, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. And I hope to be back with you next week. In fact, I will be back with you next week with another episode of the podcast to bring you more value and hopefully help you better understand how to use online video to grow your business. So that's it for me. Take care. Talk soon. Hey Ben here. I just want to take a moment to help you out with something. If you, like many of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast listeners, are looking for ways to do video for your business better, then keep listening. I've put together a free foundations video course designed to help you better understand the fundamentals of effective online video strategy for your brand or business the three-part video series will step you through the roadmap to ensuring you know what videos to make and why so you can get started the right way with video for your business. To jump in right now for free, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com foundations. I can't wait to see you there.